Hello there and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in the Cape Coast in Ghana. I'm at the Wafu Cup of Nations, joined by Solomon Ashoms in Johannesburg in South Africa and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we speak to a rising star in African football, Nigeria goalkeeper Ike Chuku Ezenwa, who made his full debut for the Super Eagles against Cameroon in the recent World Cup qualifiers. I think it's a big game. The whole world watched the game and it came in a time whereby nobody expected it and I never disappointed my country. That's the most important thing. I did my best and I think it's going to change many things in time to come. Also, we have a special report from Cameroon on the team failing to qualify for next year's World Cup with reaction from fans, analysts and former players. We don't have anything. The team is not coherent. They don't play good football. And news from the English Premier League as Senegal's Sadio Mane gets a somewhat controversial red card. Well, greetings to you from Ghana. It's my first time to be in this beautiful country and I'm in the country's central region in Cape Coast, which is 160 kilometres away from the capital city, Accra. I'm in the fishing town of El Mina and my hotel is right next to the vast Atlantic Ocean. We've had uh, grey, steely skies here all week. It's the short rainy season here, so lots of cloud and it's hot and humid. I'm here for the Wafu Cup of Nations, that's the West African Regional Championship, and we have 16 teams from West Africa who came here for the fifth edition of the tournament that has lacked consistency in its hosting. There's now a new deal with a new sponsor, and hopes are that uh, the Wafu Cup of Nations will be held every two years, along with a women's edition and youth editions too. Well, it's been an unusual and exciting format because it started off with a preliminary knockout round. So eight of the teams went home straight away. Disappointment, I know, for listeners in the Gambia, in Sierra Leone and in Liberia, all getting knocked out, although all a bit unlucky too. The Gambia losing by a single goal to host Ghana, Liberia going out in a penalty shootout to Senegal, and Sierra Leone having the upper hand over Nigeria for much of their game, but Nigeria scoring two late goals to go through. So now we're on to the group stage in Group A, Ghana, Nigeria, Mali and Guinea, and in Group B, Senegal, Ivory Coast, Benin and Niger. So there should be some exciting games are coming up over the course of the next few days at the Wafu Cup of Nations and much more on the action here on the show next week. Now, a rising star in African football is featuring here. That's Nigeria goalkeeper Ike Chuku Ezenwa, who made his full debut for the Super Eagles against Cameroon in the recent World Cup qualifiers. And he won the Man of the Match award here for his performance against Sierra Leone in their opening game. Well, for the World Cup qualifiers against Cameroon, first-choice keeper Carl Ikeme was ruled out after he was diagnosed with leukaemia, and injury ruled out second-choice Daniel Akpeyin. So Ezenwa was thrown into the biggest game of his career, and he did well both in the home game and in the away game too against Cameroon. And he caught people's attention with his comical goal celebrations, sitting down and bumping up and down in the style of DR Congo's Robert Kidiaba. 
Well, Planet Sport Football Africa's Oluwashina Okaleji spoke to Ezenwa after the first game against Cameroon. Uh, by the way, he's not a youngster, he's 28. And uh, first, Shina asked how much pressure there was in making his debut in a World Cup qualifier. There was no pressure for me because it's something that I love doing. That's the most important thing. And I think the focus has been there, hoping to get such an opportunity. And I think by the special grace of God, it came. And I was like, it's one of those things I have to do my best for my beloved country. And by the grace of God, everything went well. At some point, you were celebrating with the Kidiaba style. <laughs> what motivated or what inspired that? You were doing the bump, bump jump and all that. Yeah, I think my, my, I'll call him my best friend in FC Fanyuba, the second goalkeeper as in Bamba Idris. I think uh, he taught me that and I think I love such a celebration because it's something that gives me joy whenever, even in Fanyuba, when we got to go, I think I normally celebrate like that. So I think when that go came at that point in time, I don't know what else to do. I ran this way. In fact, I just decided to celebrate like that. So it's a thing of joy having, as in, how I put it, got such a victory uh, the first time of my food derby. That's how I put it. It's a food derby because it's a World Cup qualifier. So I think I give all glory to God. You look at this game, how significant will it be for your career knowing that, you know what, I've played in one of the biggest games for my country? I think it's a game that's going to change many things. I think uh, God knows how it, how it normally works. He works in a way whereby people cannot believe him. I think it's a big game. The whole world watched the game. And it came in a time whereby nobody expected it. And I never disappointed my country. That's the most important thing. I did my best. And I think it's going to change many things in time to come. Do you think you've made a strong case for locally based players in the Nigerian squad, knowing that you play locally, you've made a full debut for the Super Eagles, like you pointed out? Does that make cases um, a strong case for younger players or other goalkeepers in the Nigerian league? Well, for me, I think uh, the technical advisor himself, as in he has worked with us, the home-based player, so he has a decision to make and to know the right players to, to fit in into the Eagles. And I think uh, myself, I think I've worked very hard and I think my hard work has paved, have paved way for me. And I think when you watch and see you doing your best for the team, I think you have a place in the national team. So that's Nigeria goalkeeper Ike Chuku Ezenwa speaking to Planet Sport Football Africa's Oluwashina Okaleji. So Solomon, in those World Cup qualifiers, a locally based player in a Nigeria squad full of players at big clubs in Europe. Uh, so uh, do you think that uh, locally based players should be given more of a chance? Uh, are they sometimes more hungry for success? I definitely feel that a locally based players should be given more of a chance uh, to really show what they are made of uh, because quite a lot of them are being overlooked and we have a mentality in Nigeria not just in Nigeria's football but in business in fashion quite a lot of areas where anything that comes from overseas from Europe or the US uh, you know we tend to think it is more important we value it much more than we value uh, local produce so the same thing in football uh, but i feel a lot of these locally based players are very hungry for success they've been watching their counterparts from europe you know coming in and playing for the super eagles and i feel 
a player like Ezenwa Ikechuku is, uh, you know, one of the examples. And, and if you look back also on the 2013 Africa Cup of Nations hosted by South Africa, the winning goal where Nigeria won that game against Burkina Faso was caught by Sandemba. And he was a locally based player. And so definitely, uh, you know, Ezenwa is a huge example. And I hope that, you know, he would continue to show what he's made of, uh, not just for FC Ifanyumba and Super Eagles, but hopefully... Though he's 28 years of age, but hopefully signed for um, some uh, you know, teams overseas so he could get more experience. Yes, let's uh, hope that he can. Well, thanks a lot, Solomon. Uh, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. And this week's show coming to you from the Cape Coast in Ghana. I'm right by the Atlantic Ocean. I'm here for the Wafu Cup, the West African Regional Tournament. And the group stage is in progress with lots of big teams here. And most of them using locally based players. There's just one or two overseas based players in there. Although the likes of Cape Verde came with plenty of players who play in Portugal well, still to come on the show, was the red card given to Sadio Mane fair? We have Stuart's thoughts on that. Well, you can download our app and listen to the show anytime. To download, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. Then you can listen to the show anytime on the app and access past programmes too in our archive. Also, you can listen to the show on our website, planetsportfootballafrica.com. And our Twitter handle is at PlanetSportFA. Well, now we turn to social media. And just six months ago, Cameroon were crowned champions of Africa, winning the Nations Cup in Gabon. Now they're out of the race for qualification for the 2018 World Cup after failing to win any of their Group B matches so far, with three draws and a defeat. So last week we asked what's gone wrong with the indomitable Lions. And lots of interesting views here. On Facebook first, and by Malik Totti in the Gambia says they were not a good team. Believe it or not, during the Cup of Nations they were playing without any pressure. Also, luck was on their side. But after winning the Nations Cup, everybody expected them to win every game, and that is when you feel the pressure. Ibrahim Javi in Sierra Leone agrees, saying the Indomitable Lions weren't good enough to win the Nations Cup. It just happened accidentally. So what we're seeing now are the repercussions, says Ibrahim. On what's up, and Calvin Truth Jr. here in Ghana also agrees, saying for me, the team they used to win the Nations Cup wasn't that good, but luck was on their side, says Calvin. Samson Makawa is in Malawi. Uh, Samson says lack of continuity has affected them. Having clinched the title, they took themselves as real giants. But football is tricky. Modu Pabi Baji in the Gambia has a degree of sympathy for the Indomitable Lions, saying, I think it wasn't easy for them in the qualification because football in Africa is always more competitive during the World Cup qualification. It's a bit easier in the Nations Cup than the World Cup qualification because every nation now wants to play at the World Cup, says Modu. M. Cham Erzil, also in the Gambia, agrees, saying, Yeah, that's the nature of football. I think it's easier to win the Nations Cup than to qualify for the World Cup, says M. Cham. But I have hope they will do better next time. Well, we always welcome your voice notes on WhatsApp. And uh, from the Gambia, here's Sambu One. I think the indomitable Lions need to restructure all their team. And also, if the administration is also having a problem, I think. Those structures also need to be changed. Though it's good in the other way around because you are seeing the young ones also who are coming, 
who are not known in football and now they are coming up. The likes of Kivuad are also are coming up very well. So that means that football is developing. But the heavyweight should also not be out of the competition as well. Well, thanks for that, uh, Sambo One. And now in Sierra Leone, Jesse Rando thinks there's another reason for Cameroon's sharp change in fortunes. Uh, Jesse says, I think they've lost the spirit that was in them during the Nations Cup. And Alfusaini Jaju in the Gambia agrees, saying they've lost their team spirit. Stanley in Ghana suggests another reason, saying it's due to complacency and poor management. They put away their hard work after the Nations Cup and are lazing about, thinking they could go through with ease. Well, uh, Modu Asaini in the Gambia agrees, saying overconfidence is one reason. Another factor may be is that national teams have now fully prepared. All the teams are strong. No team should be underrated. Hamat Jobe, also in the Gambia, says, I think this is a common problem in African football. We can't build a team that can go on for even two years. See the likes of Nigeria, Zambia, Ivory Coast and Cameroon. They've all won the Nations Cup in the past seven years, but it's hard for them to maintain their winning squad. I think Cameroon should learn from that. They have the players that can take them to the highest level, says Hamat. Desmond Tunde Koka in Sierra Leone believes there is hope for the future, saying I think they're going through a transition with the squad because we saw a very poor performance against Nigeria in the first match before they improved and got a draw in the second game. Modu Drame in the Gambia says they won the trophy last time when all the players were fully committed because it's a tournament, says Modu. Most African players don't like to play with all their heart for their national flags in qualifiers, but only in the tournaments themselves where they can easily market themselves. Belong Baji is also in the Gambia. He says to me Cameroon's performances have not been impressive. Their defence lacks the consistency and intensity to defend well and the efforts by the forwards have been scanty. Failing to address these errors led to their early exit. And finally, Ansamana Sonko in the Gambia says their exit was surprising. The quality of the players they have and the experience of the coach should have earned them qualification. Perhaps there's some technical or tactical problem somewhere, or the coach was not being given as much support as he needs from the federation. Hugo Bruce is a fantastic coach with great experience in African football, says Ansamana. Thanks very much for all of those comments and apologies if we didn't get to read out your message this week. We're now with more on Cameroon's failure to qualify for the 2018 World Cup. We have a special report from Yaoundé, Cameroon, from Planet Sport Football Africa's and GNO Ebay. Dejected, frustrated and disappointed may not be enough to describe the feeling that's reigning amongst diehard supporters of Cameroon's national football team. In four World Cup qualifying games, Cameroon's attack line has been blunt, netting in just three goals, with two of those being penalties, while the Indomitable Lions defenders have been generous, conceding seven goals. This performance, considered by some fans as unacceptable, has kick-started a blame game, with most fingers pointing at Cameroon's league trainer Hugo Bross, the man who steered the team to Afghan glory in January. 
It's very heartbreaking. The management is plagued with many problems. They have resorted to calling subpar players. Most of them play in fourth or fifth tier European leagues. And the big names like the Alexandre Songs, the Joel Matips, have been left out of the squad due to poor management by the administrative body of Feka Foot and the coaching staff. It's heartbreaking watching the four matches and having heartbreaks each time. I think the defense is weak as a team. They need to work on a lot of things. The coach failed to understand that winning an African Nations Cup is quite different from playing a competition to qualify for the World Cup. And he took things for granted. I threw the blame to him. For instance, he brings in somebody like Chupu Moting, who is a key player in his club in Stock City, playing in the Premier League. You bring Arnold Jum from England and you put them on the bench and you want to go and play and win Nigeria, it is very impossible. He has failed to instill that spirit of competition among players. He has made people to understand that somebody like Ondua, who is not competitive, is his number one. As opposed to somebody like Onana, who is first choice in his club Ajax of Amsterdam. That is what Hugo Bros needs to put into this team. He still has a lot of work to do. We don't have anything. The team is not coherent. They don't play good football. We don't have midfielders, for example. We don't have people who can score a goal. There is no football if you cannot score one goal, if you cannot win a match. To two former Indomitable Lions, Joseph Antoine Bell and Vincent Ongandi, Cameroonian football authorities and coach Hugo Bros have a lot of work to do now. In to build a stronger squad ahead of the 2019 Africa Cup of Nations, which the country is expected to host. As far as qualification was concerned, we were sure we were not going to qualify. And now we have really to concentrate and focus on what is coming, 2019. It's easier to prepare for the World Cup than building a team. Building a team, it takes far more than just building stadiums. Building a team is something very difficult. And you need to have people who are qualified in doing this and you need to have people who will take time to do this. You can't be a convincing team when you lose by four goals. What we just have to do is to reorganize our football, to make sure that put the right people where it needs. The casting of players is a problem and also the method of training because our team in terms of transition doesn't play well. When you are going to look for players, you need to have good profiles of players and you need the quality. Cameroon's coach Hugo Bros has called on Cameroonians to be patient with him as he continues building a squad which he expects will lift the Afghan trophy in 2019. In life you cannot achieve. Every goal you have, it's impossible. So it's a disappointment for us that we will not be there next year. Now we have to build not a new team, but we have to look what was good and what was bad. We need support. Because when you try to change something and it's not good, here in Cameroon, <laughs> they kill you. Then they tell why you put this player? And why don't you put this one? So how can you see if the player is good enough to play in the team? So I'd like to ask to everyone, be patient. Now we don't have any more the World Cup, so we try to build a very good team for 2019. We will have a chance to win again Afghan. And it should be a dream after Gabon to win the Afghan here in our country for the second time in four years. So let's hope that we can achieve that and that we receive the patience of everyone to build the team. Time may definitely not be on Hugo Bross's side. The Belgian tactician has barely a month to prepare for Cameroon's two qualifying games against Algeria in Yaoundé and Zambia in November. Two crucial games that may determine Hugo Bross's future at the helm of the Indomitable Lions. With many disgruntled fans calling for Mr. Bross to be sacked, two defeats to Algeria and Zambia may just bring to an end his tenure at the helm of Cameroon's national football team.
Well, some tough talking going on in Cameroon. That report from Planet Sport Football Africa's and GANO Ebay in Yaoundé. Well, this week on social media, we're asking who do you think will win the UEFA Champions League? Uh, the group stage got underway with the big wins for Paris Saint-Germain, Barcelona, Chelsea, Bayern Munich, Manchester United and others. Uh, so, which team do you think will win the trophy this year? You can give us your thoughts on our Facebook page, that's Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Well, from here in Ghana, on the edge of the Atlantic Ocean, let's go to our European football expert, Stuart Weir, in the UK. Uh, Stuart, on that one, who do you think are the top contenders for the UEFA Champions League? Well, Steve, I think in the Champions League, it's hard to look beyond Real Madrid, Barcelona, Paris Saint-Germain with their investment and Neymar. Bayern Munich are also going to be strong, as they always are. The interesting thing about those four teams is that they don't seem to have one African player between them. Monaco had a good run last year, and of course they've got Almani Torre of Mali and Catabaldi from Senegal, who of course is joining Liverpool at the end of the year. But Monaco have never quite managed to step up to look as if they're going to win the competition as opposed to uh, be a good quarter-final, semi-final team. Now, because of Manchester United winning the Europa League, the Premier League has got five teams. Uh, Manchester United, Manchester City, Chelsea, Spurs and Liverpool. It's a long time since an English club has won the Champions League or even looked like winning it. So it'll be interesting to see whether Pep Guardiola, with all his experience in the Champions League, can make Manchester City look like winning it. Antonio Conte, of course, last year didn't have to balance Champions League and Premier League football. He will have a busier schedule this year. Jose Mourinho at Manchester United has an awful lot of experience of winning the Champions League with different clubs. So I think it's quite intriguing. And of course, we've got also Liverpool with their great attack and their poor defence and Tottenham again playing at Wembley in the mix. So I would like to think that three of the Premier League clubs will get to the quarterfinals, that perhaps one or two to the semi-final. I wouldn't exactly put money on any of them getting to the final and winning it, I'm afraid. Yeah, sure, it's going to be difficult for an English team to win it. Uh, very interesting, I think, to see what Paris Saint-Germain do this season. Well, some dramatic games in the English Premier League last weekend, Stuart, uh, as we still wonder who are the main hopefuls for the Premier League title? Well, first of all, the most eye-catching result was Manchester City 5, Liverpool 0. Of course, Sadio Mane saw a red card in the first half, but even so, Liverpool's defending was as bad as it's ever been. And, you know... Liverpool coming off a 4-0 win over Arsenal, lose the next game 5-0, which just proves everything people know about them. Brilliant attacking side, defensively very feeble. So I think Herr Klopp has a bit of work to do on his defence. Now, Chelsea won 2-1 at Leicester City and Alvaro Morata scored. And now he's been involved in five Chelsea goals already this season. And what a buy he looks Leicester, incidentally, had three Africans in their starting lineup. Onyini Ndidi of Nigeria, who's been such an excellent buy for them, and the two Algerians, Riyad Mahrez and Islam Slimani. 
Incidentally, Kelechi Ihnachu, the Nigerian signed from Manchester City, only got 13 minutes off the bench. He hasn't started yet and has really had two very short substitute appearances. So a bit of a disappointment for him since he obviously moved to Leicester City to get more game time. Swansea lost 1-0 to Newcastle, but Swansea were delighted to welcome back Wilfred Bonney. He came off the bench. Bonney, we may recall, scored 25 goals in his two seasons at Swansea City before going to Manchester City, where in two and a half years at Manchester City and on loan to Stoke, he only got eight goals. But the thing that intrigues me most about him, Steve, is his number. He's number two. So why is a centre-forward wearing number two? Bonney said, it's a special number for me. It's my second time at the club, and hence I want to wear number two. I want to achieve more for the team. And the strange thing is that Swansea City don't actually have a number nine. That number is not allocated. So I am completely baffled by this. Incidentally, what good business for Swansea City to sell Bonnie for $32 million and buy him back for 16. Manchester United's 100% record came to an end at Stoke when they drew 2-2 and Concerned certainly over defensive frailty. But the two Stoke goals were scored by Eric Maxim Chubomutang, who is from Germany, but with a Cameroon father. He played for the German under-21s and then decided to commit his future to Cameroon. Uh, He's been playing in Germany for 10 seasons and has got 44 caps for Cameroon, and he joined Stoke on a free transfer when out of contract, so he looks an excellent addition to the Africans in the Premier League. I suppose he won't always score two goals against Manchester United, but hey, what a way to start. And just one other thing to mention, West Ham eased their worries with a 2-0 win over Huddersfield, with the Ghanaian Andre Ayew coming off the bench to score. Well, good there for Andre Ayew and a West Ham uh, so, Stuart, uh, was a Sadio Mane's red card justified is the big question. Uh, the current uh, FIFA laws of the game on uh, serious foul play do state that a tackle or challenge that endangers the safety of an opponent or uses excessive force or brutality must be sanctioned as serious foul play. Well, it was a dangerous challenge in that he caught the Manchester City goals for Ederson with his foot on the face. And there are certainly pictures on the internet showing the number of stitches that the goalkeeper now has. It was not intentional, I would say, but it was dangerous. Mane, unfortunately, under the laws, has a responsibility not to kick the goalkeeper in the face. And while he was not guilty of intent, you could say it was reckless and dangerous. The issue that I have with it is consistency, because the incident occurred and Mane gets a red card. The following day, Matt Ritchie of Newcastle catches Alfie Mawson of Swansea in the face and he gets a yellow card. On Monday evening, Winston Reid of West Ham catches Steve Mooney on the face with his boot and he gets no card at all. And earlier in the season, there was also an incident, ironically involving two Congolese players, Elias Kayunga of Huddersfield, who kicked Chancellor Memba of Newcastle United in the face, and the referee again didn't produce a card for that. On the face of it, all of these tackles look fairly similar. An accidental boot in the face. We got one red card, one yellow card, 
and two nothings. It's the inconsistency, the lack of clarity as to what constitutes this serious foul play that really needs to be looked at. Yeah, so certainly there is a problem of uh, some sort there. Uh, finally, Stuart, uh, Frank de Boer at uh, Crystal Palace has become the first managerial casualty of the English season after just four games and no goals scored. And former England boss Roy Hodgson will be taking over. The issue with Frank de Boer seemed to be partly that Steve Parrish, the owner, said that he brought him in to change the way Palace played. But Frank de Boer wanted to play three at the back pass through midfield and it just didn't seem that that was the system that suited the Palace players. I mean last year Palace brought in Sam Allardyce and they battled their way out of relegation trouble playing effective if not terribly pretty football. Now you bring in Frank de Boer, a wonderful player, an imaginative coach, but is he the right man for the situation? The players didn't seem to like the system, they didn't even score a goal and of course, it's a very costly mistake since allegedly he's on a three-year contract worth towards $3 million a year. I think the reason that he went so quickly is simply the stakes are so high at the moment. And to find yourself at the bottom of the table with no points and seeing other teams that you think you're probably going to be competing with to stay in the division, having won two or three games already... I think the Palace management felt they had to act. Well, thanks, Stuart. Well, that's it for the show for this week. But on Facebook and WhatsApp, we're asking who will win the UEFA Champions League. Uh, send us your predictions on Facebook at Planet Sport Football Africa or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. From me, Steve Vickers in Ghana's Cape Coast, from Solomon Oshams in South Africa and Stuart Weir in the UK. Thanks a lot for listening and much more from the Wafu Cup here in Ghana on next week's show. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.